You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into another edition of the West of the Rest podcast. It is Tuesday, October 18th, and we're here to bring you another West Coast edition as we take a look at some of the top recruiting storylines from the left coast. I am Blair Angulo, joined by my co-host, Mr. Brandon Huffman, the national recruiting editor at 24-7 Sports and very well-traveled. Huff, you, I think, just knocked off two big check marks off of the sports fandom bucket list, I want to say. As the proud founder of the new podcast, Midwest of the Rest, yes, Football Nirvana this weekend. Two cathedrals, one I had been to previously uh, 16 years ago. Uh, The other I had never been to, but long had aspired to. And got to take my my 16-year-old son with me to Stanford, Notre Dame on Saturday. And a 7.30 kickoff was just what the doctor ordered because gave you all day to, to spend at Notre Dame, walk around, enjoy the, the, the sights and the sounds, see a former Washington uh, product from the, well, I guess Vancouver, Washington, so it's more like Portland. But a Northwest prospect scored a touchdown in his first college touchdown. Tobias Merriweather saw the Jordan Love show. I mean, the Aaron Rodgers show. I mean, basically the New York Jets defense when I went to Lambeau. On Saturday, another Western prospect, Zach Wilson, with a stunning upset. And how cool was it that the NFL Twitter used his his dad, Mike Wilson's tweet from early in the week of Zach with Aaron Rodgers, his idol, beating him in Lambeau in his second year in the NFL. And I got to be there for that, too. What an what an awesome weekend, right? Like it just uh, it seems like those are two big items on on a lot of bucket lists for sports fans in in particular right because even for us out west growing up i think people from the midwest will say oh i remember watching the rose bowl right or watching those pac-12 games where the sun's still out and it looks beautiful out there but for us out west you know watching the snow or watching the cold weather games at at a at a south bend or at at lambeau you know it's it's remarkable that you were able to check them off on the same weekend and then you tack on the father-son bonding which you know i'm a new dad i could just imagine what that was like to get a you know get get to experience something with him as well you know the best part was the driving because you know you, you start having those talks he's a junior in high school he's thinking about where he wants to go to college you know my oldest just left for college uh about three weeks ago so you know he sees his sister going to school now he's starting to think this is the reality so you start realizing man these talks that we're having in the car are becoming fewer and further between and they're a little bit long drives but i will say that uh you know, and Kane's been on the road with us at events in the past. I don't know that the, the guy's built for the uh, for the travel life because on the drive back from Green Bay to our hotel in Chicago, he may have lowered the seat down, pulled his sweatshirt and his jacket as a blanket, and slept 
for a good two hours. Listen, there's no sleeping in road trips, kid. No, that's that's uncalled for. Actually, I was gonna say that's that's uncalled for. I mean, you need a road you need a road warrior, right? You need a road uh, a road companion, someone that's gonna help you get through that long drive from Wisconsin out to to Chicago, and, and obviously those flights as well. So I, I guess that's a that's a knock there on on Cade. Definitely, you know, there's some. I guess they would have to say that we may have to do the trip again to see if he's built for the long haul. But you know, co-pilots aren't allowed to to sleep when they're on a plane. They have to go. They slow somebody out. Dude, like all you had one job, and that was to stay awake and keep me company. One job, Cade Huffman. It, that sounded really fun, and obviously, you know, it, it's it, it was cool. Like I said, that you were able to kind of share that. Uh, we're gonna get into a Pac-12 midseason recruiting progress report. We're gonna look at the schools that are are passing with flying colors, the, the schools that are recruiting well, some that aren't recruiting well, maybe a school that's in danger of failing. We've been doing that up and down the the country uh, across all regions, uh, and and now it's the Pac-12's turn. But before we get there, let's begin with our overview overreactions segment, Huff, and Utah had a, a massive victory against USC, bouncing back from their loss to UCLA in the Rose Bowl, which it kind of put them behind the, the eight ball in a way uh, in the Pac-12 chase, but they come out and erase an early deficit. They go for two late and they win a football game in Rice-Eccles Stadium with a number of high-profile visitors on campus and and in the stands to watch that game. You know, you even look at the in-state products that are in there. Spencer Fano, the elite offensive lineman was there. Hunter Clegg, who's committed to Stanford, was there. Smith Snowden, another four-star corner who is considering both BYU and Tennessee was there to to check out the Utes. There was guys from from out of state as well. But in in regards to the in-state recruiting, is this where we can see Utah go on its run and, and make a turn or are we just overreacting to a really dramatic victory? No, I mean, people forget last year, Utah lost to Oregon State. I want to say the middle of October and then didn't lose again until the Rose Bowl. Now, are they geared for that type of run? Maybe, maybe not. They still have to go up to Oregon, the team that they demolished twice last year. You know, so they still have some tough games left, but they had a Pac-12 blemish a year ago and then went hand to end the year. So that's the kind of game you rally and bounce back for. You know, it was a matter of, did you silly break them? And when they were down 14 nothing, it started to look, maybe they did. But then for them to rally like they did, that's the kind of win that, A, it writes the ship in your season. B, you still kind of control your own destiny in Pac-12 play to see if you get into the Pac-12 championship game. Now, you know, if they went out and, you know, UCLA loses a game here, then things get interesting. If they went out and UCLA beats Oregon on Saturday, and you know that would mean Utah will have beaten Oregon and USC. Utah gets in to the Pac-12 championship game probably in some capacity, but we, we see this every year. Utah gets hot at the right time, and then those recruits in-state that may have been looking elsewhere, we, we saw it, I think it was the 2020 class. In, you know, in 2019, that fall, they played for the Pac-12 championship game with the chance to go to the playoff if they won. They lost, but the momentum that they had, all of a sudden, guys that look like they were heading elsewhere, you know, the, the Xavier Carltons, the Van Fillingers, those in-state guys decided to stay local. Then they flipped to Clark Phillips. You know, last year, we started to see the momentum that they got as the season went on. So that's the kind of game where if you're, when you have a Smithson and, and a Spencer Fano there, they might start thinking, man, I, I could have it all and I don't even have to leave. I don't have to go anywhere. And I can play 
here for the local team. I mean, that's the kind of impact that a win like that could have. I don't think we're overreacting because I think we've seen this movie play out with Utah and in-state recruits especially. And then you have guys like Walker Lyons that came, 2024 guys that came, like David Washington. I mean, there's other players that maybe they start rethinking plans a little bit because they see, you know, what Utah is doing as they bounce back with the fan support, with the crowd like it was. USC couldn't cover Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid. And and I wonder what that was like for a Walker Lions to be sitting there watching the tight end get open basically every down and at will and making crucial catch after crucial catch, picking up first downs, moving the chain, toughing it out, you know, contributing in the run game. Uh, it was, I think, really remarkable to see on the flip side of it. I think it also helps us uh, maybe pump the brakes on USC a little bit. Obviously, it's a rebuild, right? It's year one of Lincoln Riley. Maybe they're ahead of schedule from a national perspective of reaching a top 10 ranking or being in the conversation for the college football playoff. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that USC was losing games and losing them handedly inside the role or inside the Coliseum. Clay Helton was obviously at at the, you know, running the ship there and, and, and things weren't going well. But I, I think this now makes makes us take a look at USC a little bit more introspectively and say, okay, they were ahead of schedule to begin with. Now we really need to hone in on on maybe some blemishes that weren't obvious right through the first five or six weeks of the season. They definitely need to get more athletic on the defensive side of the ball. They need to get tougher. Uh, the skill positions are going to be there. We say it over and over again, but this was the perfect ex- example on a national stage, on national television in primetime against a tough and physical defense and a tough and physical team that is Utah, where we got to see that USC maybe quite isn't there yet. And that's something that I don't know that they can acquire from the transfer portal. Remember, like transfer portal players are leaving a school for a certain reason, right? They're not playing or they're not developing or something hasn't clicked there. Unless, you know, there's the Caleb Williams or, or the you know, the Jordan Addison or, or whatever it may be. But but I think the type of player that's going to help USC get over the top isn't a transfer portal player. And it's funny because it wasn't, I think, until Michael Jackson scored the touchdown to put USC ahead. What that was, was that? a thriller, by the way. It was a nice, nice. You know, he moved, basically moonwalked into the end zone. He got so behind that secondary. But it was one of those rare moments where you're like, oh, my gosh, that's a USC recruit that, that made a play in the game. You know, obviously, defensively, they've got a couple guys, Kalen Bullock. You know, Max Williams, uh, Jalen Smith that are all, you know, USC signees. But I think that you're, you're right. You lose a Jordan Addison. Well, you know who would have been a, a nice guy to have out there, receiver, a guy who's made plays the last couple of years, Gary Bryant. But now he's redshirting probably with the intention of going into the portal. And yeah, I mean, it was a quick feast. They're definitely further ahead of schedule. But again, a lot of times when you're, you're you know, with the exception of the offensive guys who want to stay with Lincoln, a lot of times, some of those guys that are leaving and going to the portal are leaving for for reasons that maybe weren't necessarily working out on the field at the school they were at. And defensively, there were some holes in that USC defense. And of course, you know, leave it to the kid from Ventura, from the beautiful 805, to rally his team and come up clutch. But that was a good game. And that was one of those games where, you know, if you're USC, you're, you're bummed because of the missed opportunities. If you're Utah, you're thrilled that you did it in front of those high-profile high recruits. But if you're USC, you also can do it as a chance to say, hey, the defensive guys, hey, man, we're just missing you. You're you're the missing piece. We've got the, the weapons offensively. We need some guys defensively. And I think Lincoln Riley can spin that into something positive when recruiting defensive players in this class. 
Huff, one more overreaction before we take a, a quick break. Uh, the expectations at, at Oregon State, is it safe to say that they have now been raised and that they can start recruiting at a different caliber or are we, are we just overreacting? No, I, I think they can definitely recruit at a different caliber. And I, I think that, you know, you, you look at the the job that's been done there and the the early reliance, you know, speaking of the transfer portal, speaking of kind of quick fixes when when you know you you have the stakes that are higher, but when you have to rely on the portal as early on as they did, and now you get into it a few years later and you're basically getting a focus on high school kids and high school recruits. And there are a couple of JUCOs that, that, that they're after still, but it definitely raises the stakes that you can recruit at a higher level. And the expectation is that not only can you recruit at a higher level, you're still going to be able to develop those guys at a high level and now have the performances that they've had. Yeah. Yeah, and and they are now I think at an at a level that they are certified bowl team. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see what that does and whether that I guess organically just raises their own level of recruit and the, the type of player that they can go after. Uh, before they were battling the schools like Boise State and San Diego State and you know the the Mountain West types, um, but now they can compete in, in the Pac-12 and, and go after some of these uh, higher profile prospects. So Jonathan Smith and the Beavers doing some nice things there in Corvallis. We're going to take a short break. You are listening to the West of the Rest podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We're back. West of the Rest podcast. Blair Angulo with my co-host, Brandon Huffman, national recruiting editor and travel extraordinaire over at 24-7 Sports. Huff, I know you did South Bend. I know you did Green Bay. I know you and I did Mont Lake and Seattle and that beautiful setting there. Not the greatest setting, but uh, certainly a beautiful setting. Solid, solid setting. Do you have anything on your radar for next year? Because we have teased it before that you and I and possibly Greg Biggins, we're going to have to probably put a poll up on our Twitter account at West of the Rest FB to see if people will allow him to join us. But where are we headed next year? Do you have any games on your radar? I got a couple games in mind. I mean, how cool would it be to go back to South Bend, but to see them play the Ohio State Buckeyes in mid-October. I do want to get to a game at the the Shoe. I'd like to get to a game at the Big House. You know, I want to get to a whiteout at some point, but Ohio State at Notre Dame. You know, Marcus Freeman, one of the things that, one of the most uh, consistent things that I did hear at the Notre Dame game on Saturday night, besides the band playing Shipping Up to Boston, was Fire Tommy. So if Marcus Freeman does make an offensive change and Ohio State loses some of their weapons offensively, but they still have a lot of talent coming back, you know, maybe think about it. Notre Dame, one of the, their best performances this year was a loss 
to Ohio State. That's a game that might might have to wake up our echoes, and maybe we'll bring Greg out for that one. How about, can I interest you in maybe a little Florida at Utah? We don't even get to see the Gators, right? That's a home and home, uh, a repeat. Have they ever played a non-conference game west of, you know, the the Mason-Dixon line? Or I guess that's... I, I mean, it's it's a very good question because I can't ever recall the Gators playing out west. Did they ever play at Oregon or at Cal or or was no. I daydreaming? The, the, I think the closest they come to playing out west was when they were in the Fiesta Bowl one year. Okay, okay. I, I'm looking at. Well, how about Georgia at Oklahoma? Brent Benable's year two, right? And Ooh. Georgia two-time defending national champion, September 9th, 2023. I like uh, it. How about Texas at Alabama, right? That'd be Quinn Ewers again, getting another shot. Uh, hopefully he he stays healthy and and see what you know, see what happens with, with that one. Those are just some games on my radar early in the season. I think it's gonna be uh something that we continue to build a possible possibility or a list of of potential matchups, but a lot of juicy stuff here. Tennessee at BYU. I mean, that's we we could probably get on the sideline at BYU if we wanted to. I will remember. Josh Heupel got his start. His career started at Weber State. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. How about Nebraska, Colorado? The 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 battle of uh, it, that's a traditional rivalry, but also a battle of the first year head coaches there, whoever yeah. that may be. Battle of nineteen ninety three Big Eight dominance, Nebraska. You know, and you can make a case that football hasn't been as good as Colorado since they broke Nebraska in two thousand one when Eric Crouch won the Heisman, but lost by forty. Neither team has been the same since that year so 21 years later with or 22 years later with future nebraska head coach matt rule and future colorado head coach i don't know who doing work against each other i would be up for that dude that'd be a lot of fun and and i've said it before ralphie watching ralphie run onto the field is a top three college football experience you, i will you, say that you have ralphie- to see it in person to really embrace it Ralphie covers more ground on one run than Russell Wilson does in an entire 60-minute game as the quarterback for the Broncos. I was going to say an entire season, but <laughs> I but I digress. Uh, let's get into our Pac-12 midseason progress report. We've been doing it uh, across all conferences. Uh, I think the SEC is only the last one we have to do, but let's get into the Pac-12. Huff, for you, you know, in your book, who is passing with flying colors in, in the Pac-12 right now? Well, I mean, it's going to be no surprise to anybody. Oregon at the top of the conference, Pac-12 recruiting rankings, um, you know, after what, a, a couple hours, a couple days, maybe tops of USC passing them in the rankings. Oregon is back in front, you know, for anybody that thought that they were going to skip a beat with Mar- Mario Cristobal leading to go to his alma mater. That question has been answered. Interestingly enough, Oregon, the one position that they really closed out well in 2022 was, was getting Dave Dooley back in the boat and then landed the number one lineman in the country in Josh Connerly. Offensive line recruiting has been a little bit slow for Oregon, yet they still have the number one class in the Pac-12, the most five stars. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, tied for the most five stars with USC and the most four stars in the conference. And they have a top 12 class. So, and then USC back to where we expected them to be at the top of the conference. Remember in the early hours of the early signing period in December last year, they were 12th in the conference and like 105th in the country. Now they're back to second in the conference. They're going to continue to jostle for that top spot. So I say Oregon, USC, both passing with flying colors, Washington after you know, a little bit of a blip for as good of a recruiter as Jimmy Lake was purported to be as an assistant coach. He was not good at it as a head coach. Kalen DeBoer, his class so far, it's strong top three class. I would say those three classes especially 
our, our past with flying colors, especially given kind of the, the last two years at Washington. Oregon and USC, the only two Pac-12 schools with top 25 classes nationally. Uh, and then Washington and Stanford are the only others that are inside the, the top 30. A lot of work to be done for the Pac-12 schools, but obviously being spearheaded right now by the two recruiting powers out West, Oregon and USC. We teased it a little bit before the break off Oregon State. They're probably the school right now that is doing a really good job and maybe recruiting above their weight class. I think when you, you know, we, we talked a bit about it in the first segment about, you know, the expectations of that program. And I think from a recruiting standpoint, you know, I, I mentioned early on, Jonathan Smith really hit the portal hard and he hit the Juco ranks hard. And they had a couple of official visitors this last weekend that were JC guys, but they only signed one JC player in their 2022 class. That's the sign of a coach who now realizes, okay, I kind of got those quick fixes. Now I'm developing guys and now you're getting second, third, fourth year guys in the lineup and you're able to bring in a new batch of high school kids that you can develop. And I think there's two recruits that really kind of speak to how good of a job Oregon State is doing in recruiting. One is Kilsey Howard because the schools that they beat to get him. I know you know it's a guy from your region that you were very high on, uh, the number two player in the state of Nevada had offers from, you know, really all over the country, uh, but especially a number of Pac-12 schools. And Oregon State kind of pulled a shocker when they got him. But that's the kind of win that if you're Oregon State, you need to get one or two of those guys every year. We saw it under Mike Riley when they got Isaac Samalu. And obviously, they had some connections with Isaac's dad being there. Uh, you know, he was the highest rated recruit in Oregon State history. And, you know, it was a three-year starter and all Pac-12 guys starting in the NFL now. You need to get a guy like a Kelsey Howard every year. But what Oregon State's specialty has been is eyeing those guys early before they blow up, then watch them blow up. But because they built that early relationship, get them. And a guy that, you know, both of us are, are super high on, Aiden Childs. Uh, you know, lost a heartbreaker the other night to Nico Yamliava, um, the Tennessee bound quarterback in a rivalry game. But you look at Aiden Childs, when Oregon State brought him in for a visit, he still had plans to go visit Washington State, to go visit Washington, and to go visit Oregon that uh, that month after the Oregon State visit, man, he saw everything he needed to and he committed and he's now a four star. And what a great commitment, but even better evaluation for Oregon State to kind of get him before he was hot, to get him to commit. And now they're letting Aiden Childs lose, and he's kind of the Pied Piper of this class. And you need kind of those outgoing personalities. We we know Kelsey Howard. He you know he reminds me of Michael Irvin. He walks in with his sunglasses, and he's just got this you know he, he he's kind of Vegas. He's very Vegas ish. But then you bring in Aiden Childs, who's just this alpha, this quarterback who just knows how to lead. And those two are their highest rated commits, the two four stars in this class. Those are the two guys that kind of speak to what the job Oregon State's been doing on the field and certainly in recruiting. Yeah, I really like Aiden Childs. I feel like he will be the the player that perfectly embraces that small town Corvallis and becomes, like you mentioned, the, the alpha of a football program and would not be surprised if in a few years we're talking about him as a potential conference player of the year type, right? I, I think he has that type of talent. He has that type of moxie and uh, he's really impressive. Huff, the, the next category is there a team that you're looking at that needs to improve or is there someone that surprised you in either a good way or a bad way this recruiting cycle? Well, I don't want to pick on UCLA because I feel like we do that every episode. So I'll pass up on, you know, saying, hey, UCLA. You know, if you, yeah, if you want to hear our thoughts on UCLA, listen to the last 10 episodes. Mm -hmm. Or maybe the last 10 months worth of episodes because we brought it up on there. But I, I think, you know, the one school that, that kind of just leaves you, you scratching your head 
and you can understand it in, in one way, but it's Cal. Like, I will say Cal has seemingly finished the bridesmaid this year more than they ever have in recent years, where they've been in the top five, the top three, gotten official visits from a number of kids. It's a strong Northern California class, one of the best Northern California classes in some time. And only two of their seven commits are from Northern California. And I wouldn't necessarily call them true Bay Area guys. You know, Naziah Hunter from Salinas. Uh, you got Silas Averwali from Roner Park, Rancho Pataki up in the North Bay. But, you know, they were in the top three for Rashid Williams. They were up there uh, at the top with Jaden Rashada for a long time. They they actually lasted in the Jaden Rashada sweepstakes far longer than I ever anticipated they were. They were a top 16 for Jurion Dickey, even though it looked like he was always going to head somewhere besides Cal. But Cal has been on the shortlist for so many guys this year from Northern California, and they just haven't been able to close. And, and that hurts if you're Cal. When you got elite talent locally and you can't reel that in, that's the school. And then you, you, you can't go on the road and lose to Colorado. And that's the, the the hurt with it. But you know what? They've been known to slay Washington here and there in the in the past few years. And they've got the Huskies coming to town this weekend. They've got some official visitors coming in, both locally. They've got a couple kids. That probably one of the biggest visits this weekend will be taken by Roger Pleasant, the four-star. Uh, I think he's a top four corner now nationally. He'll be visiting with his teammate, Frederick Williams. They'll both be at Sarah. So that's a, a big opportunity for Cal to kind of right the ship and get get things going after losing to Colorado. But now, you know, Washington, uh, Washington's defense might be what could wake up Cal's offense, but uh, Cal's off or Cal's defense is going to have their work cut out for them with Washington kind of clicking on all cylinders against Arizona. But that's the kind of game that Cal needs to win with players like Roger Pleasant and Frederick Williams there. Yeah, Cal, it definitely had scratcher considering the academics, right? They could uh, they could attract those high academic players, but also the location, the Bay Area, Berkeley, the whole East Bay. I mean, you could go and, and cross either Bay Bridge or the Golden Gate Bridge and get over to San Francisco. I mean, it's a very attractive area. Um, so it, it certainly is kind of head scratching in this modern world of college football recruiting that Cal can't really turn the corner. Uh, the last category and this one, it, it could also go to UCLA, but we're going to not talk about UCLA on the show. Uh, who is in danger of failing this 2023 recruiting cycle among these Pac-12 schools? Well, I think it's the, the you know, yeah, when we were in, in high school, we always had the curve setter, the person who always, when they say, oh, we're in a grade and the curve always did really well that it was like, why do we even have a curve? They got like 107%. They just screwed us all. What's the opposite of the curve setter? It's I mean, probably- it's, the, it's, the, it's the person that didn't show up to class, turn in a blank test, instead of giving the teacher an apple, actually stole things from the teacher's desk. I mean, that that's the, that's the complete opposite curve setter. I, I would go, this is probably before your time. I know it's before your time because it was barely in my time. I'd go Jeff Spicoli of the class. Uh, if you remember Sean Penn's character in Fast Town at Ridgemont High, but he did order a pizza and uh, in Mr. Hand's class and tip the, the delivery guy. But Arizona State, like right now, what Arizona State has going on is no secret. They are in a really bad situation recruiting-wise because you have an interim coach, you have a state of a lot of talent that literally none of those kids have seemingly wanted to stay in state since, you know, you go back to what, the Nikhil Harry, um, oh, who was the DB in that class? The, Byron Murphy, Chase Byron, Lucas. Chase Lucas, that's one thing. So they got you know two of the top three players in the state 
Arizona State just has not been able to close locally. Does keeping Sean Aguano, after we, we talked about it last week, after the Arizona High School Coaches Association writes a letter basically campaigning for him to get the job, can he keep those kids local? I mean, that's the problem with Arizona State is it's probably too late in 2023 and a new coach comes in. They've only got six commitments right now. Not one of them is from Arizona. They've got as many players from you know the, the state of California as they do from Texas, and they only have six commitments. They've got, uh, actually, I think they have three Texas commits, two California commits, and a Washington commit. And you're in Arizona in a great year for in-state talent, and it's going to be far too late for any of the Arizona. I mean, think about it. But one of the top linemen in the state of Arizona is Caleb Lamu. And I mean, he's a guy that said he grew up rooting for Arizona State. And there, there's just no chance of it because of the uncertainty. Which coaches are going to be retained, if any? Who's going to be the next head coach? So ASU is probably going to take a big L in the 2023 cycle because with guys recruiting and getting or committing so much earlier now, there's just going to be so much fewer options to choose from if you're a new coach coming into ASU. And to think this was all very, very avoidable, right? Like allegedly they brought in recruits during the pandemic. That was a big no-no. Uh, you had visitors on campus. You had a bunch of meetings and flights and, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, considering that they didn't have to do that, mm -hmm. uh, that they didn't have to cross that line, they put themselves in this spot. And and now, you know, I, I guess the modern, the, 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 the current recruiting prospects, the guys that are now considering US or ASU, or they're the ones that are, are affected by it in a way. So not a great situation for the Sun Devils. Before we wrap, wrap up, Huff, let's stay in the Phoenix area for this week's recruit performance. And, and that would go to five-star tight end Deuce Robinson. He had over 100 receiving yards once again, seven receptions. And what's truly remarkable about that is that you and I go to a bunch of high school games. There's usually a player that you know is, is the guy, right? There's the alpha. There's the person that everyone's going to be keeping their eyes on. And it's truly remarkable to see a player like Deuce Robinson, who has the name recognition, who has the physical recognition, right? At 6'7 or so, 220. He's the clearly the number one player on the field anytime he steps on it. But the fact that he's still able to put up performances like this, and in this case, in a victory against Chaparral, which had been doing some really nice things there in the Scottsdale area, uh, it just kind of shows his, his own ability and it shows his ability to to really make defenders pay, I think it's it's remarkable what he's able to do week in and week out, despite all the attention, despite the double teams, and despite the defensive coordinator really kind of game planning around him. What's so remarkable too is you know, in, in you mentioned earlier with Utah talking about tight ends, like you look at, at Deuce. I mean, he is such a weapon. We've seen him at numerous events over the last two years, national events where. He wasn't just the best tight end there. I mean, he's the best tight end in the country. That goes without saying. He was among the best pass catchers, period, where it's almost like he is the, the perfect prototype for what the NFL modern tight end looks like and that he can run like a receiver. He catches like a receiver, but he's big enough to be that tight end. And, you know, a guy like him with that, that skill set, that talent is a cheat code in high school. And, you know, to think that this is a guy that, there's a very real chance. I mean, Shotgun Spratling over at USCfootball.com was a big college baseball guy. Saw him this summer. I believe it was at the, what, the area code games or maybe the Under Armour national event. But, you know, got a chance to see him. On, I mean, this is a guy, we may, he may not even play football in college. That's how good of a baseball player he is. But 
it would be such a shame to see him walk away from football because of how talented a pass catcher and playmaker he really truly is. Yep, 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 yep. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes. That'll do it for us, for Brandon Huffin and our producer, Lance Glenn. I am Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the West of the Rest podcast. 